0: Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please proceed. Um, All of you who have been coming to church for a good long time know that the Lamb of God is, of course, a title of Jesus. Um, We've already said it multiple times this morning. Um, Not even a few minutes, 15 minutes into the service, it was in our hymn. It's in the Gloria in Excelsis, the Lamb of God, Uh, and it's one of those Christian phrases that I think most of us don't fully recognize the depths to which it resounds, the full meaning of this phrase, Lamb of God. So that's um, where I want to focus our attention, is just unpacking that simple phrase, Lamb of God. Um, It wouldn't have been the case for the Jewish people. Um, the people whom the Messiah came first and foremost for, when they heard the phrase Lamb of God, one single um, concept would have come to mind, would have been connoted, the concept of sacrifice. There are um, five kinds of sacrificial offering that God commanded His people, the Jewish people, um, to do in the Old Covenant in Leviticus and Numbers. The whole burnt offering, the grain offering the fellowship offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering. Three of those five almost always involved a lamb. It was the uh, the whole burnt offering, the fellowship offering, and the sin offering. I'm not just listing details for trivia. Whole burnt, the fellowship offering, and the sin offering. And the establishing of these Old Testament sacrifices um, one of the chief purposes which God had in mind in establishing these sacrifices was, was that they would be a, a living prophecy of the great sacrifice of his Son that was yet to come. They were actually sort of foreshadowing and looking towards, in a way actually giving the meaning for what Christ would do before he came. If, if there was no sacrificial system, when the Lord died on a cross, it wouldn't have been intuitively a sacrifice. Right? It actually is explained ahead of time by the whole mindset that this sacrificial system cultivated. And there's a lot in the little details of the Old Covenant sacrificial system that unpack what we mean when we say that Christ is the Lamb of God. Um, so I just want to look at just a couple of these. The burnt offering is the core of the sacrificial system in the Old Covenant. It was offered for the atonement of Of sins especially the ones we didn't even know that we would committed the atonement of sins and it was ordered to be made by sacrificing a male lamb without blemish these old testament details they're not just they're not uh, they weren't arcane from the beginning they were a prophecy a male lamb without blemish lambs of course already uh, then and now a symbol of innocence but this had to be an especially pure instance And with a burnt offering, the sacrifice is totally consumed. In the Old Covenant, you burned it to ashes. It was totally immolated. And very interestingly, according to Numbers chapter 15, which I assume not many of you have read very recently, the burnt offering was commanded to be accompanied by an offering of wheat flour and wine. The two elements that the Lord instituted used to institute the Last Supper before his own total offering of himself, his own total destruction. Um, the grain and wine um, were not only to accompany the burnt offering, they're also to accompany the fellowship offering. And the fellowship offering was sacrificed under the Old Covenant as a sort of festal sacrifice, um, reestablishing the good fellowship that we have with God and with each other. And instead of the lamb being burned to ashes, it was cooked so that it could be eaten. So you could actually participate in the sacrifice. Catch a foreshadowing sort of pre-echo of our Lord saying, he who eats my flesh has eternal life. The participation in the eating communicated that you were among those who was in good fellowship, good standing with God, and with his people, which is, of course, the very thing that the Lamb of God himself came to establish. And the third uh, lamb offering was for the sin offering, which wasn't always a lamb. Um, in the case of the um, Aaronic, the, the Levitical priests, it was, also, it was to be a bull. But it was supposed to be a lamb for the common people. Uh, so uh, the lamb was the sacrifice for everybody. The lamb was the sacrifice for everybody. Um, There's even more prophetic connections that you could tease out in terms of what's used, where the blood is used, and how it relates with the priests and the temple. The layers of prophetic foreshadowing um, go very deep. I'm going to stop there. Um, Before moving on um, to the central uh, and really the most significant lamb sacrifice in the Old Testament. (laughs) Still sick. (laughs) Sorry about this. One day it will stop and the sermons will not be interrupted by snot. (laughs) The most significant lamb sacrifice in the Old Testament is, of course, the Passover lamb, the one we just read about, um, we heard about in Exodus chapter 12. Again, a male lamb without blemish, the lamb that was killed so that with the blood of that lamb, those who were under that blood would be spared from death. Right? The symbolism couldn't be more awesome. It's a gospel in miniature. Those who are under the blood of the lamb will be spared from death. It was true under the Old Covenant in a foreshadowing, and it's ultimately true under the new covenant because, of course, all those Jews who were saved by the blood of the Passover lamb and who were not destroyed by the destroyer on that last plague of Egypt, eventually they died of old age, most all of them in the wilderness, right? But we who are under the true lamb, who are covered by his blood, we will die in this body, but we will be raised. That's the hope that actually life will go on forever. Our souls will continue with God and that we, our bodies will be raised up on the last day to live forever. And the lamb was to be eaten as a memorial meal. God commanded that it be eaten each year to remember that God's people had been ransomed. Do right? you see all, the, all these connections? We still eat the memorial supper in the commemoration of our ransom. Right? It's all connected. The layers of symbolism, they, just, they go all the way down. Lambs give us wool to cover our bodies. The Lamb of God gives us his righteousness. To cover ourselves. That's the great figure. That we are not righteous in ourselves. We are covered with the righteousness of Christ. And he gives it to us. That it would be ours. Jesus is the Lamb of God. The fulfillment of all of the Old Testament sacrifices. There are all so many fractals of light. That's the wrong word. Fractal is not the right word. There is a word there. There are all so many um, offshoots of light. That that come together in, in Christ himself. Christ who... Um, is from God, and Christ who is God. It drives me crazy when people say, um, you'll sometimes hear among um, skeptical, uh, the skeptical today, oh, the Bible doesn't say Jesus is God. Here it is. It's at the first chapter of John, verse 34. This is the Son of God. The, the Son of God. Not just a a Son of God, as if it was just sort of some adjective. This is the Son of God. The Son who reveals the Father whose goodwill it was to give his most beloved son to be a sacrifice. This was a sacrifice that cost him in some mysterious way. How can God be cost something? Only it's a mystery. But yet it did. His sacrifice of himself. I love as we say in our liturgy, once offered on Calvary. So what this means, I think, is that we can take the words of John the Baptist straight to heart. Behold the Lamb of God. Right, we're not walking there along the banks of the Jordan anymore, but we still are seeking to behold, to look at the Lamb of God. Um, first with uh, an initial apprehension, just taking him in. Who is this Lamb of God? But then having taken him in, as all of you have, to continue to gaze at him, to look at the Lamb of God with your hearts and see um, there the God who loves us and who gave everything for us. Behold him who takes away the sin of the world the very last thing i want to look at is um, how does jesus do that how does the lamb of god take away the sin of the world first he took away the in- inevitable that would have been a certain fate the inevitable punishment that was coming our way when he died in our place on good friday which was on what day in the jewish calendar when jesus died passover Right? He himself is saying, the new Passover is here. That's when he took away the sin of the world. He washed away each of our personal debt of sin, the sins that we um, contributed to the great mass of sin in the world, when we came to him in faith and when we were baptized. We say in the creed every Sunday, one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And since our baptisms... The Lord continues to cover over our sin when we turn to him with repentance. When we come to him with repentance, repenting of sin, he continues to extend his forgiveness toward us. And lastly, having sort of established those three as sort of the core, um, in a unique way, he removes our sin from us and the stain, the sort of the mark that the sin has left each time we participate in the memorial of the great sacrifice. Each time we participate in Holy Communion, and this is something that's been impressed on my heart more and more, i really in the last six months, but when we come and we're all there, we all kne- we're kneeling together, we're praying, we pray, Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. I can almost sense that the, the, the Lord through each communion is just sucking more and more of the poison out of the wound of our hearts. Just little by little, it's a long work to be healed. To be, as we prayed in the collect, radiant with the glory of God, it takes a long time, lifetime. But with each communion, he is actively um, remedying the, the, the wounding that sin has left. He can use things besides communion, don't mistake me. Absolutely. He uses many, many things, many, many means of grace. But I think communion in a special way, because it's the, the grain and the wine connected to the whole burnt offering, it brings um, a fresh purification of our own souls uh, Sunday after Sunday. So what's wonderful then is we don't, are not only called to behold the Lamb of God uh, as his people under the new covenant, we're called to receive the Lamb of God, to participate in the one sacrifice of himself. How that works across time and space is part of God's mystery and his economy. But we are really and truly receiving the fruits of the cross of Golgotha through the meal of the Last Supper. All glory be to God, who with the Son and the Spirit is extending his mercy to us afresh again today through this meal. Amen. Amen. Amen.